1: learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyumc.org.
0: Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK.
1: Yes, yes, Russ Nation, we're back, we're back, we're back, it's me and Murph, big man, how you doing? Yes, all good mate, uh, it's been a,
0: a good start of the week, glad football was back, we've actually got something meaningful to talk about, which is uh, which is always nice because we've gone through the entire off-season, two to three episodes a week and yeah, it's it's just awesome to, to be back and actually talking football rather than just uh, theory for so long.
1: Yeah, it's been so much talk of when fantasy happens and it's finally happening, so uh, i 'm super excited, super excited, so uh, I am
0: as well, and just to all the new listeners that we 've picked up in the off season, thanks so much for sticking with us and following with us. This is like our flagship show. This is the one that Stocks and I look forward to the most it 's where we get into um, you know some of the news we 're not going to review uh, all the games on this show um, it 's more a case of looking at what 's you know more the fantasy side of things, more about waivers moving forward as opposed to looking back. Um, there might be some scope to do that in the future, but this is more about looking forward to deliver W's next week.
1: Absolutely, I mean you don't win your dra- you don't win your league at your draft, but you win it in the waivers, and this is probably the most important one of the season. Murph.
0: Yeah, absolutely, this is the one that is make or break. If you think last season, this is where people were picking up Philip Lindsay, Patrick Mahomes, uh, George Kittle. And those three all became league winners in their own right. Even James Connor, the people that drafted earlier missed him. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot of potential on these waiver wives this week. And this will probably be the biggest one that we do. Um, over the season, people will get more owned, we'll have a better picture. And therefore, we're not taking as many dart throats,
1: and it'll be slightly more uh, strategic and targeted. Absolutely. So, should we dive into the news, big man?
0: Yeah, where do we start other than with uh, Antonio Brown?
1: Yeah, I think we had to start there really. I mean, Saturday morning he got into a grievance with uh, Mike Mayock and there was some stuff posted on Twitter. And then all of a sudden he was released by the Raiders in a, and their release statement was pretty short and it just said, uh, Wide receiver Antonio Brown released from team. Yeah,
0: it it was a crazy situation. Uh, Conspiracy theories that he never wanted to play there. I mean, we're not ones to speculate. You know, I have a belief that um, something has happened over the last three or four weeks that has wanted Antonio Brown to get out. And then the voiding of his guarantees was the final straw um, because he's not a guy who's going to take theoretical money. He wants actual money in the bank. So, uh, for those of you that have lived under the rock and missed this, Uh, It started off with him obviously having a foot injury, then it had him filing a grievance for his helmet, um, which the team fully backed and supported him all the way. He even praised the team at one point for the support that he got. um, And then it all really kicked off this week with him posting his fine letter for not turning up to practice. And then uh, he got into it with Mike Mayock where he had to be held back by certain players, um, including uh, Rich Incognito and... um, Oh, my God, I can't believe I've just forgotten his name. Uh, Vontae's Perfect. That's it. So Vontae Perfect actually then held him back, which I think was just the biggest irony of all time, that a player that he doesn't – has never got on with and got beef in history with a his player that was holding him back from thumping the GM <laughs> and then booting a, booting a football into the sky and then saying, find me for that. And then um, posting a, a greatly made video, you have to admit, with John Gruden. Um, On there and then pleading to be released, and he got released, and uh, now he's got a new home.
1: Yeah, five hours after being released, Simon the Patriots. And uh, people have been saying that, oh, he's missed out on 30 million, but actually, he's guaranteed 15 million this year. And then, if he signs his contract with them, he's got a 2020 clause in it as well that's guaranteed for 20 million. So, actually, over the shorter space of two years, he's going to make 35 million if all works out for him in New England. So, he's done pretty well out of all of this. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I, I think the, the biggest thing I had an issue with, it wasn't, I mean, all the behavior I have an issue with. I just think the fact that he's, he's played an organization for a fiddle. Um, I think what the two elements that annoyed me was one, his video of uh, his massive overreaction to being released. Um, because there's no way he found out through Adam Schefter on Twitter. He'd have had a call a couple of hours before he was before it was made official to the public that he was being released. So he would have known he was released at the point that he does this video. Um, he's paid, obviously, a lot of money to someone to film this. So I just thought that was absolutely nuts. And, and second of all, I think he knew he was being released before, not even just before the video, but I think before Sunday, because they must have worked on that deal with the Patriots not in the five hours from when he was released I mean it must have been before then so this is clearly something that I do think over the last few days he's been angling for whether I want to jump into the conspiracy boat of something that's been going on for the past month or six weeks or the moment he signed there I don't necessarily know but it was it was made clear for me early on that he didn't really want to play for the Raiders and then when they took the money away he was just like right cool, I'm off and Now he gets to go and chase a ring with uh, New England, who wanted him in March. But the the Steelers always said, no, we're not trading you to a rival. So there you go.
1: Worked out perfectly for for AB there. So let's talk some money. Murph Zeke finally signed his new deal, ninety million extension, a lot of cheddar for a running back. Uh,
0: Absolutely. I I do have some concerns over this deal for the amount. I mean, listen, I'm a big proponent that... um, running backs should be paid more in their rookie deals. I think they're too grossly uh, underpaid, um, which I know is ridiculous when you're talking about several million dollars a year, but in comparison to quarterbacks and wide receivers for the importance they have, um, they're really only as good as their rookie contract. I think after that, you start to see diminished returns on what they produce with the exception of the rare few like Adrian Peterson, uh, et cetera. So um, they need to fix that in the CBA, but $90 million, and then a deal which we'll link onto is, is Dak's deal is imminent as well. I can't see with the money that they've paid to members of their offensive line, to defensive line, to to what's going to be Dak and Zeke. I can't see how someone like Amari Cooper is going to get a deal. like That's going to be worthy of his first round pick and then being traded for a first round pick. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to pay all these guys because I think that they are going to be in a bit of a hole when you pay... Running back, and we did a big article on this. Um, big money it leaves a huge dent in your roster construction as to money you can allocate and other resources.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they then do go ahead and sign Cooper, the amount of percentage-wise from their overall cap for those three players is going to be way above the recommended. Well, what we worked out to be a safe percentage spent on your star players. So, like you say, they'll be in a massive hole coming up.
0: Absolutely, go back and check on it. We talked about roster construction in real NFL life to predict playoff success, and the the, the stats were quite shocking. That the amount of teams that uh, made the uh, make the Super Bowl and then ones whilst having rookies and quarterbacks on rookie contracts, um, running backs and quarterbacks on rookie contracts was quite staggering. Uh, but it's especially the running backs. It was only really girly last year. is the only time in the last four or five years that a running back that's been paid over 3 4% of the cap um, has made the Super Bowl. And he didn't even play in it. So again, it tells you with the injury and durability of that roster that paying a running back, unfortunately, is sort of bad from a business sense. But when you have an elite talent, I do think these guys... I don't want this to seem like we shouldn't be paying these guys because we absolutely should. I think they should have a lot more money in their rookie contract in the CBA because most of these guys don't get to a second contract. And I think they should be evening out at, you know, five to 10 million a year in their rookie deals. Yeah.
1: Talking of somebody who else has signed, Jared Goff signed a four-year $134 million extension to his contract. Uh, That's a lot of money. And it clearly showed on Sunday because he was weighed down from his performance and looked pretty poor
0: yeah I I, I think it's a difficult one um they clearly like him there um but I think and you know Sean McVay has always said that you know I'll be the coach of this team as long as Jared Goff is my quarterback and I guess the franchise have been told to put their money where the Ralph is they believe in McVay therefore they sign Goff Uh, a lot of people will scoff at this actually as it works out as a deal it's 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 not too bad because it's an extension on top of what he's earning. So that money actually phases over six years. So he's on an average of about 26 million a year, which I think as, as deals are going to go up and up as the salary cap goes up, I think you'll find it within three or four years. He'll actually sort of revert to the, well, not even that I'd say within two years, that deal will almost be in the mean because it seems to be every quarterback that gets paid, gets paid more and more money. Like Carson yeah. Wentz is earning more per year and Rogers earn more per year. Um, even now. So I think they've they've kind of done it in a smart way. You read the the headline numbers and it's a lot of money, but actually when you even it out, it's actually a bit less because you even it out. You you do it over six years, not over four years because it's
1: an extension, not a new contract.
0: So that kind of makes it a little bit more palatable.
1: Yeah. uh, I just don't see Jared Goff being the top franchise quarterback. I mean, obviously there's some real love between McVay and Goff and and the coaching stuff there and, up until the bye week last season, they were firing on all cylinders. So maybe, maybe because they didn't play in the preseason, they're just knocking a bit of dust rust off. But let's see how that breaks on. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk some injuries. Unfortunately, there was some quite key injuries for for teams over the weekend. Nick Foles is done for the season. It looks like uh, he could come back, but generally, it's a season ender. And he's with a broken collarbone, so just after paying him mega money, the Jags are now. Well, they signed for the Pittsburgh Steelers backup quarterback, uh, Joshua Josh Dobbs? Dobbs. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously not hugely confident in one of my waiver wire guys.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I was looking a bit at this recently. I just think actually they needed a backup guy. And I think Josh Dobbs fits that. So
1: yeah, um, like I that. think,
0: I think Minshew has earned, earned the job. It's whether or not he keeps it. I think that's the, that's the bigger P, but I think he's, he will be the start on Sunday. I think you'd be crazy not to start him. Um, but Josh, Dobbs could provide competition, but I definitely think in the short term, Minshew is someone who will start. So uh, in a deep quarterback league, I know we're in a couple of leagues where we've lost foals as our in our superflexes. So we might be putting some bids out there on on Minshew in the in the coming coming hours.
1: Yeah, I imagine there's a few teams out there in deep quarterback leagues or superflex leagues where you drafted Andrew Luck and somebody else is your starter and then picnic Nick Foles up as your bye week replacement. And now you've just got one guy. So that would be now <laughs> yeah get on a minshu. um Tyreek Hill he's been hospitalized with a shoulder injury he doesn't need surgery but he's going to be out for four weeks so I've been looking up the length of the injury from other players who have recovered from it and it seems to be about four weeks but because he's in hospital and it's now a medical not just uh, orthopedics issue this could he could go on the IR with designation to return
0: yeah so funny enough I was listening to um Fantasy Football Today podcast by CBS uh, this morning that came out yesterday, and they had the former uh, doctor uh, for the San Diego Chargers uh, on there, Dr. David Chow, and he was actually describing this as not a shoulder injury because he thought it was very strange that he um, went to hospital with a shoulder injury, how he landed, and actually it's to do with his clavicle. Um, so not quite in the same area as Foles has done his clavicle, but it's actually in a slightly different area, like that space between the clavicle and the shoulder. Um, And actually it was almost like a a dislocation. Um, And so he estimates as a professional doctor, having watched it uh, as someone who won't be around in September and it's very unlikely to play in October um, and it'd be touch and go depends to how much he plays before Thanksgiving in mid to late November. So I would start planning to not have Tyreek Hill, for the next six maybe even eight weeks um and on top of that he's someone that just got paid as well he just got um i mean he got a discount due to his transgressions but the chief seemed to be in a hurry to get this deal done um whereas i would have definitely sat on it for a little bit Um, and if they had then obviously they wouldn't be out the money and i know the money isn't everything but you know i didn't feel there was a need to pay a guy who was suspended for quite a while from the NFL. And OK, maybe he wasn't guilty of anything because nothing's ever come out or proven. But there's definitely character concerns there that whether he makes to the end of the contract at all. So,
1: Absolutely. Another wide receiver who broke around the clavicle area is Devin Funches. He suffered a broken collarbone. Um, I think this now, you know, Dion Kane becomes the number two in, in Indianapolis. So he's worthy of an ad. I think, in, in deeper leagues at wide receiver for sure. Do you not think Paris Campbell will be the two there? I just think they really like Deion Kane and he got injured last year. So I think I think it's going to be a dogfight between the pair of them. I think they both get work. I think they both do get work.
0: I think Campbell maybe becomes slightly more relevant. Um, and I think Kane could be. That offence didn't look as bad as people thought. I, I mean, I wasn't overly worried. It wasn't going to be Andrew Luck production, but T.Y. Hilton looked very good. And I think there could be work for all three of them. I think it will take a few weeks to... to iron out roles but I don't see a reason that all three of them couldn't get work
1: yeah no I agree agree. and then there were several injections over the opening weekend Miles Jack Quan Alexander Greg Robinson they were some of the notable guys ejected it was quite I think there was quite a lot of injections that you know
0: yeah there were more than that um the Greg Robinson was disgusting he kicked a player in the face um, which I just thought was an absolute disgrace, and he meant, he meant it you could see it uh, Quan Alexander went helmet to helmet on uh, J- James Winston, his former quarterback, when he was sliding, which I just think is there 's no excuse for that um, and do you know what made me worse about the quan Alexander ejection is not only does the guy get ejected for hitting a member of his old team on his old you know um ground where, which gave him a start in the NFL um, because, you know, they took him in the fourth round and turned him into a guy who got $66 million in uh, free agency money. But the 49ers gave him a game ball. He was ejected in the first quarter, and he <laughs> was given a game ball for a helmet, to helmet here on the quarterback. That's like saying, yeah, well done. Yeah. Like, how are you rewarding behavior like that? You know, you can seriously hurt players with helmet-to-helmet helmet and CTE and everything you know. So um, shame on 49ers' organization for giving him a, a game ball and rewarding um, what can only be described
1: as um, moments of madness. For sure. So let's talk some waivers, Murph. Is that time week one?
0: Do you want yeah. to start? I'll start, with, uh, I'll start with my QBs. So um, I put Josh Allen on our initial waiver Wire article last week, and he's someone I kept there. Uh, I was concerned at halftime. He was trending pretty much in the negatives for most of the first half, but Josh Allen really came back and he won the game um for the buffalo bills week one he ended up 24 37 for 254 yards uh one td two ints uh one of the ints was a drop that went for a pick six it's, that's not his fault he hit the receiver in the hands um you, you can't put that one on josh allen and listen we know he's going to be erratic he put 38 yards rushing but he also got a rushing touchdown as well so um you know he ended up around mid table for um qbs this week i think he was around the qb 17 qb 18 mark which yeah you know you're not overly excited but he did return you 16 17 points um and then on top of that he was playing a top 10 d in in the jets and you know he's got the he's got the giants next <laughs> so i really like the fact and since he after that so i think josh allen is someone who for the next two matchups is, is someone who can continue to you know, he's not going to put up monster numbers. I don't think you're looking at him as a potential QB 1 to 5, but I think he can hover in that 8 to 12 range, which for a streaming option, that's kind of what you want. Absolutely. And then old Andy Dalton, the old Red Rifle himself, uh, he's 4.2% owned. So Josh Allen's 20% owned, if I didn't mention that already. So Andy Dalton threw 51 passes on Sunday uh, for 418 yards. Both of them are career highs for him. Uh, two TDs, two fumbles. Um, but Zach Taylor clearly wants to sling the rock um, pretty much in, in the vein of the uh, Los Angeles Rams and Sean McVeigh. So Andy Dalton is someone who could be very exciting in the coming weeks and someone who, if he keeps putting up 51 passing attempts, he is someone that could be in the conversation for a low end QB one at the end of the season. So he's 4.2% owned. And if you're playing in a one quarterback league or you're streaming, I can't really look past Andy Dalton as uh, you know, I don't think there's many better options out there unless you're lucky enough to find a Lamar Jackson or someone out there. I think Andy Dalton is pretty much as good as it gets for now. And listen, if he regresses back to his usual self, he's someone to, to drop. But I think with the, the change of uh, offensive coach, I think he's someone that it could only trend upwards this season.
1: Yeah. I Imagine if he does throw 50 attempts a week when AJ Green gets back. Like, lights out. Exactly that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, you, they've got some injuries at running back right now with Mixon. He could be fit for, for week two. But um, I think it looks like, I think, you know, Zach Taylor is, is scheming up for, for them to throw the ball around a lot and um, equip him with some weapons. John Ross looked good, which we'll get to. And yeah, I think uh, he's someone that could be a very interesting fantasy over the coming weeks.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if John Ross, AJ Green, and Tyler Boyd can be somewhat like the Rams' three wide receivers, then. I think they're all going to have fancy relevance. And if you can, we'll talk about John Ruffin a little bit, but if you can get Dalton or Ross this week, I think you'll be all right for the next couple of weeks going forward. And then I'll tack on to your quarterback smurf with my quarterback. And that's, I also had Andy Dalton, but my second one is Gardner, Minshew, Jags rookie quarterback, sixth round pick, got thrust into the game after Nick Bowles got injured and then went 22, 25 and 275 yards, 2D TDs and an interception and looked pretty good, looked capable of moving the Jags offense. I think, yeah, you know, the last time a sixth round pick made it in the NFL properly, it was Tom Brady. So I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but stranger things have happened in the NFL. I, I just think the Jags will probably lean on Leonard Fournette a little bit more now, given that he's probably the main weapon in their offense. So whether Dobbs comes in and eventually takes the role or Minshew sticks at quarterback, I think they're going to run the ball a lot more than... Than they wanted to, perhaps. I know they still wanted to be a run first team, but with, with Fournette as primarily their big weapon, I think they're possibly Gardner Minshew might take a hit there.
0: Potentially. I, I think it depends what you want. I th- here's the things that encourage me this is a guy who wasn't expected to suit up. So he's come in a very difficult situation against arguably the best, second best team in the AFC um, at home on debut. Um, and he throws a lot of complete passes. You know, tw- 22 for 25 is impressive. So he didn't let the occasion face him. He didn't let the, the situation get to him. He came in, in in difficult circumstances and he performed more than adequately. And I think that's, only, that's kind of what you want to see out of a rookie performance. He's not someone that's going to throw lights out. He's not someone you'll take in a one-quarterback league. But as we mentioned, if you're in a, a two-quarterback league and you're struggling, he's someone that... If it's him or waiting for, say, Ryan Tannehill to get into the game, why wouldn't you add him? So he's someone that's worth spending fab budget. If there isn't anybody else on those uh, waiver-wise that you can rely and depend upon if you've lost Andrew Luck or Nick Foles um, or someone you're just sort of waving on and trying to pick up on the Crest of the Wave, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a QB1 this year, but I think he's someone that on those numbers, he can be uh, a reasonable play week-to-week for your, not week-to-week, but for your bi week covers and uh, injury cover.
1: Nice. So let's talk running backs. I'll start. And it's Chris Thompson of this Washington Redskins. He's 18.9% owned. We both have him, Murph. We like him a lot. And with Darius Geis looking like he's going to miss more time with his other knee than uh, Adrian Peterson was a healthy scratch. He's obviously going to now be the lead back, but you can't rely on him in catching. Chris Thompson's going to be the man. Chris Thompson is also injury-prone, but he did receive 10 uh, targets, seven receptions uh, in week one. And, you know, he led the team in targets. And if they're going to be coming from behind, which let's face it, the Washington Redskins look like they're going to be doing most weeks, they're going to be throwing the ball. And uh, Chris Thompson's going to be one of the main receivers, at least out of the backfield, if not the whole side.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, and the interesting thing is, AP was a healthy scratch, so not a lot of people might know this, but um, Jay Gruden actually wanted to cut Adrian Peterson. Um, the team management, so the GM, the owners, would not allow Jay Gruden to cut uh, Peterson, as there was some concern over Geis' health, which true, you know, proves to be the correct call. So Adrian Peterson is someone who will get some work, but it's going to be that reluctant work. Chris Thompson is the guy who's going to be trending arrow up here, and he's someone that. Um, Jay Green will now rely on as probably the lead runner and the lead back sort of catching out the field. Um, As you say, it's going to be that negative game script. So he's just going to be catching a lot of balls. So he's definitely a PPR ad. Um, I think in a standard league, he's still a decent ad, but he's not going to be as effective as he is as a PPR ad. He's someone that can return easily uh, 12 to to 18 points a week uh, with that kind of volume of 10 targets and 60, 70 yards.
1: Who have you got next?
0: I've gone for Raheem Mostert who is 0% owned running back for the 49ers uh, Tevin Coleman's an- ankle injury means he's going to be out for a significant amount of time at least a few weeks uh, Matt Breida um, is in uh, concussion protocol of course he is because that man just is constantly <laughs> have some form of, of injury but he, he does always come back um, but you know, the more that Matt Breida gets knocked out of games, and I don't mean that from a concussion way or a pun, by the way, I just mean that, you know, he, he typically can't finish games um, because he's just carrying some form of injury, but he's always out there. Um, I think Raheem Mostert is a guy who's going to trend up here. You know, nine rushes on Sunday for 40 yards. Uh, he caught a reception too. He's he's pretty handy out of the backfield uh, with his hands. Um, the 49ers' offense just wasn't great last week against the, the Tampa Bay Defense. You you look at the 31 points, it looks a bit deceiving, but there were two pick sixes in there, so take 14 points off uh, that 31, and that leaves you with 17, uh, which was two touchdowns. And yeah, okay, they had a couple called back as well, but um, even George Kittle struggled uh, in that offense. But it it does get a bit easier for them with Cincy and Pittsburgh next. I think it's something that can uh, seem uh, most... uh, trend up and I always want the lead back in the Kyle Shanahan offense so to have him at 0% owned keep him as a stash put him as a flex play he's someone that should deliver some numbers
1: absolutely and just ahead of uh, most uh, on the waivers if you do happen to find Matt Brieda knocking about on the waivers as well I think he's definitely an ad I think he'll come out of concussion before next week and he's going to be the lead back there if he does make it out the concussion protocol so if he is on the waivers I think he's an ad as well 100%. 100%. If, if breeder is still
0: out there in your league, um, you should definitely grab him as the priority. Um, as I said to you, he he will start pretty much every game and will be the lead back. It's whether or not he'll finish games, but he's not like the Jarrett McKinnon type. Um, he will play every game if he can. He'll play there with one arm, one leg. He's like, um, I heard an analogy on a podcast today that he's like uh, the knight from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, where they, they cut the arms and legs off. And it's like, ah, yeah. oh, it's just a flesh wound. Um, I can't remember who said that. I think it was on the uh, Black Book with Joe P. Pier, actually. So I think it was Joe P. P. that said that. So um, I like that analogy. It uh, fits to my humour as well. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit of a map reader for you.
1: And then uh, uh, Giovanni Bernard should be speculatively added. Uh, should Joe Mixon not play week two? I think if you can afford to pick him up cheap with Fab or even if you just got a waiver priority, I think... Bernard would definitely be the lead back. And in the two games at the start of last year, he had 14 non-PPR points and 19 PPR points. So, And then in 2017, he was pretty good. And like we mentioned uh, with the Red Rifle, Zach Moore looks like he's going to have the offense working better. Zach so, Taylor. Uh, Zach Taylor, sorry. <laughs>
0: also, just worth pointing out that Giovanni Bernard was given a new contract towards the end of the offseason. So it's someone that the new coaching staff have signed off and said, we're quite happy to have the guy here which I always think is a really nice vote of confidence, even as a backup to still be able to get a new deal. They didn't want him to hit free agency. So there's obviously some things in there that they really do like. And I think he's someone that could have a bit of a role behind Mixon or even inclusive with Mixon um, moving forward.
1: Yep. Coming in, Murph, who's your wide out?
0: I mean, this is an obvious one given the stat line, but marquis hollywood Brown, he's probably the number one waiver wire ad of the week across everybody. This is the one that everybody's going to out, go out and claim. I'd be really careful and not overpay here I'm not you know he's someone that could have some really really good weeks but he will boom and bust Um, but with a stat line of 147 yards two touchdowns or four receptions he's a he's effectively like the new Deshaun Jackson he's someone that is going to give you a lot of value but he will have boom and bust weeks Um, uh, people will pay a lot of money for him I would say, no, do not spend more than 20% of your fat budget on him because I think anything more, I think you're really in the territory of if you get an injury, how are you going to replace it? And I think 20 is probably even a bit high for me, but it depends how your roster is constructed. I think, you know, a comfortable range for me would be somewhere between 10 and 15%. Um, If you do manage to pick him up this week, or if you already have him, he's a must start because he plays Arizona this week, who arguably have a worse defense than Miami, which I know is shocking considering Miami gave up 59 points. Um, But their secondary is awful with no Pat Peterson, who's still suspended. And I think he can put in a very similar performance. So he's definitely, if you do get him, he's a must-add, but do not overpay for him. Um, the one I would pivot to more is, is John Ross. I think John Ross is someone now uh, we've been waiting to break out for two years ever since ever since he ran the 4-2-2 at the Combine. Um, he's got a couple of uh, decent games up. He's got San Francisco next and then Buffalo, which is a little bit trickier as it's at Buffalo, but seven receptions, 158 yards and two touchdowns. He put up a, an absolutely monster week. Um, he's got the speed. He can uh, be elusive. AJ Green's not going to be back for a few weeks. So he's someone that's going to fill in there. But I think even when AJ Green's back, he's someone who's still going to get work in that role, uh, as well. It won't be 158 yards every week, but this week I'd fancy him to put up a hundred yards. So uh, I'd feel more confident going forward of having John Ross in my team. than the Marquise Brown, because I think Ross will bring a safer floor, but Hollywood Brown will bring those electrifying, uh, stat lines. Um, maybe I wouldn't say more regularly, but potentially do that more often. So uh, they're the two I lean at wide out this week.
1: And then I'll tack on to the end of that again, Murph, with my. I was going to say John Ross, but you stole him. So I'll say Danny Amendola. He's only 3.4% owned. Uh, the Lions looked more of an equal passing offense, uh, passing run, sorry, offense this week than we thought they were going to be. We thought they were going to absolutely pound the rock. And uh, it turned out to be more of a split backfield between C.J. Anderson and Kerryon Johnson. But they threw it. Matt Stafford decided to throw it a hell of a lot. Uh, 385 yards, three touchdowns. And one of those guys he targeted was uh, Danny Playoff, Danny Amendola. He had uh, seven receptions, 104 yards and one touchdown. We've seen the slot role in Detroit be productive of Golden Tape before. And I think if if Matt Stafford decides to hyper-target Danny Amendola like he used to do Golden Tate, I think you'll be all right if you're going to need him as like a wide receiver three or a flex play.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, just going to use this moment to take a victory lap on Matt Stafford. He was in the waiver Wire
1: article we put out last
0: week uh, and
1: he sure delivered for us. So, well, uh, um, why don't you fairly... carry on that victory lap, Murph, talking about another <laughs> lion and uh, their tight end, TJ Hawkinson.
0: Yeah, TJ Hawkinson... Uh, Six receptions, 131 yards, one TD. He's 30% owned. He's sort of at the threshold for me for what we do on waivers. He has a couple of difficult games next with the Chargers and the Eagles, um, but he's clearly going to be that volume uh, tight end that maybe I didn't think he was going to be, but um, all all arrows point towards Hawkinson being a top 10 tight end, potentially now. Uh, We know he has the talent. It was whether or not he was going to do it, and what a debut to shoot the lights out of. So he's someone that um, if you can get him, he's... I'd like him as a compliment to a uh, top six tight end and just have him there Um, as a streaming. If you're currently streaming, I would take Hawkinson and just play him. Uh, He's going to have some bad weeks. He's going to return little. But I think once you're outside of the top six uh, tight ends, you're you're either streaming or you're looking for a guy who's just going to get you through to you know, tight end, uh, 10. So someone like Hooper, who we were talking a lot about in the off season. Uh, I think he's in that sort of range for me now, especially with Lance McDonald, uh, having a pretty poor week. Um, but the guy who I, I still hype on about is Darren Waller, Darren Waller, 26.8% owned. His ownership has gone up massively since the Antonio Brown news. Um, I'm going to take some credit and say, because it was he was on our Waiver Wire article last week, uh, he delivered last night seven receptions, 70 yards. It doesn't sound stellar, but it's those kind of consistent uh, performances that are going to uh, keep him in the, the tight end one conversation in terms of like the top 10, top 12 tight ends. Uh, he also led the Raiders and Targets, which is what uh, we were pointing to and talking about when Antonio Brown left the team, but also just Antonio Brown being out um, we did say in the waiver article last week that Waller could lead the team in targets, and he did. So um, the, Darren Waller is someone you should be putting in significant um, fab in because once you get to sort of week five, week six on tight ends, there's not really a lot of streaming options. You're just sort of picking from a bad bunch. So Darren Waller can plug in that hole, and he's someone who's going to allow you just to push forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jared Cook was pretty good last year. Uh, yeah. So I think... I think if you if you can get him cheap fab wise, or even if you if you can invest in him, if you've got a good side but weak at tight end, and you invest heavily in him, he could take you all the way to the playoffs. So I agree. Um, I, I,
0: he's a twenty percent fab max ceiling for me. Um, he's someone that the secret is going to be out on him very soon. So I would be nailing him now if you haven't already got him. Hopefully, you listened to us last week and you picked him up for free um, because it would have cleared waivers then. So if you got him last week, you'll obviously be delighted with what he's done um again it's not overly like sexy he's not going to put up like 150 yard games but if he does 7 for 70 every week especially in the PPR league I'm delighted like that's 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 perfect and then he gets some touchdowns in there he's going to be a solid option moving
1: forward oh yeah no doubt especially if you've picked him up as a streamer that's yeah absolute wave of gold I'm going to talk about kickers I say kickers there's only one it's Eldrick Rosas 17.9% owned (sighs) Man, the Giants, they take on Buffalo next week. And uh, if the Buffalo D is as good as it was uh, second half of last week against the Jets, then Rosas could be kicking field goals because the Giants won't get into the end zone. So kickers are difficult to find a streaming option this week, but we've gone with Rosas. And then we've got two DSTs, Murph. You can, uh, you can take the first one. I'll take the second. Who are you looking at?
0: Uh, so for me, it's, it's similar to last week. I, I put the Cowboys in here as a, a two to three week stream and, you know, they didn't massively disappoint last week against the, um, Giants. Um, they've got the skins. The skins surprised me a little bit with their offense, but the Cowboys, I think will be too strong for them at 27.2% owned. Hopefully you picked them up already uh, with the anticipation of playing them week one, week two, and potentially even week three as well. So, um, I'd stick with the Cowboys. Um, I think they're a pretty solid start, but there's another option in here that I think is also, uh, Applicable that can deliver some points.
1: Absolutely. And then I've got the Carolina Panthers. They took on a sort of steady Rams team and didn't get the W on Sunday. But next week they take on, well, the next two matchups are absolutely tasty. They take on Tampa Bay Thursday night and then uh, move on to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals the week after. So facing Winston, who's a turnover machine. And then the Cardinals, who struggle to move the ball until the middle of the fourth quarter and, and overtime, let's face it they've got the worst o-line in football. Let's just say the Panthers are going to feast the next two coming weeks and they're only 10.8% owned. So go get them, plug them into your DST and uh eat those fancy points that they're going to give you.
0: Yeah, definitely both are great options this week. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Um yeah, this should be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I mean if you haven't already checked out our waiver wire article it's on the website fiveyardrush.co.uk. Murph will answer any of your questions, well we will, but Murph's mainly the Twitter guy over at, at 5 Yard Rush, And, uh, yeah, Murph, this has been a lot of fun. We've got a great guest coming later in the week.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of fun, um, Lauren is. So, yeah, we'll, we'll leave the full introduction for the show, but it should be a lot of fun. But with... Um just with the programming going forward, we're going to put the waiver wire article out on Mondays on the website. And then this is our flagship show, which we will do on Tuesdays going forward. So we're going to cover off the waiver of wire thinking in a bit more detail. This is a bit more of a snappy pod today, um, but we'll do a little bit more in depth uh, each week as we go forward. But look out for the waiver wire article. It will be up at some point every Monday. So you can get a jump and plan your waivers ahead of the time. Don't necessarily wait for the pod. Um, but use the pod to refine your thinking. So hopefully you've got those waivers in and then you'll listen to us in deep dive to change maybe your priority or your orders a little bit more. But at least the idea is that you get them Aligned and allocated, then you can make the edits as opposed to having to do it all Tuesday night.
1: Absolutely, read the article on a Monday, listen to me and Murph on a Tuesday, and we'll 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 tweak any idea you may have and fill you with even more words because Murph and I get talking, and it's a lot better than the few words we put down on the website. Let's put it that way. But the list is on the website on Monday. Murph, I will speak to you later in the week when we speak to our guest, Rush Nation. As always, football is back. I can't wait for next weekend. But until Thursday night, don't forget, keep rushing.